You're listening to Roswell Teen Talk, Episode 1. Don't say yes to the stress. Stressors, coping mechanisms, and mental health. Stress. We feel it, we fear it, and we often don't know quite how to deal with it. It can alter our mood, our behaviors, our health, and when sustained for long periods of time, even our outlook on life. And for most students, the high school years are a pressure cooker for stress. COVID-19 was certainly a catalyst to open up more conversation about the effects of stress on youth, but we should note that the findings from a 2013 Stress in America survey suggested that adolescents reported stress levels that were as high as adults. Even then, seven years later, in the midst of a global pandemic, Research.com reviewed data and found that teens reported average stress levels that were 34% higher than adults. The most common causes of this stress? Getting good grades, looking good, fitting in socially, pressure to engage in extracurricular activities, and excelling in sports. Now some of these are traditional stressors, not all that different from those experienced by prior generations. But there's little doubt that the intensity of stress and prevalence mental health conditions caused by it has increased. Then, there's college. With more applicants to college than ever before, competition has increased, and kids and their parents are feeling the effects. In a recent survey by the Washington Post, 75% of high schoolers describe themselves as often or always feeling stressed by schoolwork and 66% reported being often or always worried about being accepted into their chosen college. Add to that other stressors like social determinants, money, relationships, and the many changes over the past couple of years due to COVID-19. We have a sort of perfect storm. According to a study conducted by the American Psychological Association in 2021, 81% of Gen Z teens aged 13 to 17 experienced more intense stress due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So what does all of this stress look like when played out in the lives of high school students? We sat down with high school students in Roswell, Georgia, and asked them how they both manifest and identify stress in their own lives. Here's what they had to say. It makes you so like physically and mentally drained. Like I, me personally, I would just like get so tired. I wouldn't want to like go and like go out with my friends or all that stuff I wouldn't I would just be like so tired and I wouldn't feel like really doing anything kind of just like always not happy with myself not knowing what to do not knowing how to move forward I'm a very outgoing person I'm very talkative and I'll just always kind of find ways to be in a conversation or even start a conversation and so if I'm really quiet or I just kind of people say I have like a look on my face when I'm stressed or upset so I just feel like they can pick up on what's different from how I usually am. I tend to like shut down (laughs) and like people start to like make me angrier faster and I need like something to like get away from everything. I noticed like I would get super tired and like I wouldn't want to move and like I'd always just be wanting to lay in bed and not even do anything sometimes. I was really, really struggling with anxiety. It was the major kind of sticking point when it came to how well I was doing in school because anxiety was the reason I was having those panic attacks. 
so it's sort of easy to tell if my friends are feeling anxious or kind of stressed because they don't talk to us as much or they just they're tired more often so it's kind of easy to tell with them and like other people that I don't know as well it's harder because I don't know how they deal with things I I can tell that you know when I feel stress I kind of want to distance myself from others Well, there were the more obvious signs of stress, like anxiety leading to a panic attack. Most of these teens talked about the subtle signs of stress, shutting down or feeling physically exhausted. These can be helpful cues to parents and peers of what to look for when their child is going through something stressful. So if you consider these behaviors the students described as the symptoms of stress, we then ask them to identify what they felt to be the sources or the causes of their stress. Here's what they had to say. Right now, for me, going in to be a senior in high school, what's stressing me out the most is thinking about um, applying to colleges, just because there's so many to choose from. And since I am in advanced classes, I have to like think about, okay, do I want to go somewhere that will challenge me even more academically, or do I want to go somewhere close to home and maybe not as challenging to get into? And so it's really hard trying to navigate that, especially having a major that's undecided. It's you start worrying about like how others think of you, especially if you don't know them as well. Like, oh, well, I don't know if she thinks that I'm weird or whatever. And it just depends. And like, it's especially hard when they don't know you because then it's how could they judge you if they didn't actually know who you were? And but then like sometimes it's just I don't know. It's a lot of different things and different scenarios for different people of how they think. So cheer definitely is a big stress thing for me because like it's a lot of pressure and like if you do bad like you have to run and you have to do all this stuff and I always just like I've practiced today and I already have anxiety about it like I want to have fun doing it I don't want to just be like anxious the whole time so definitely cheer oh man uh, waking up early going to work out for football 6 6 a.m bright and early heading to school probably got two assessments a test and a quiz in a class that I've been studying for for the past week and then going to football practice and football doesn't really stress me out but a jam-packed schedule stresses me out and then waking up the next day and doing the same thing and just days on days of that will pile up and I won't be able to function by day five so making sure I create margin in my day to get with the Lord allows me to not be stressed. In my mind I'll just be like there's no way that I get all this done so then I just won't do it. Like, if it can't be done by that time, why do it? That's my problem. And when I think about that, it's like, okay, I know I'm, I know I got to do something. For me, it's mostly internal because when I do something, I want to do it good. And I've just always been like that. I just always want to do something completely or I want to be good at it. So I feel like if I don't do something to my best ability or I kind of mess up or have a flaw. I just kind of am hard on myself. There's definitely been times this year it's like I'm really hurting kind of myself doing stuff that maybe should be done, but just not to the maybe not perfectionist level or just something that's like unnecessarily stressful. A consistent source of stress for students that we heard throughout our interviews was, unsurprisingly, the perception of a disconnect or lack of empathy from their parents. My parents are always talking about how, like, I have such a nice life because I go to the beach a lot. I'm with my friends a lot. And during school, it seems like I feel like my 
parents think that school seems a lot easier now that we have all this technology. I just want them to understand that it's still stressful for me because I'm trying my hardest, but the expectations that like either your teachers or your parents or even yourself, like the expectations that I have for myself are just kind of, they like weigh down. And I just want, I guess my parents and other parents to understand that it is stressful, even if it doesn't look stressful. I just think it's like hard for them to understand because definitely because like they teach differently now and just like school in general is kind of different than when they were in high school that they try to understand, but they still don't like say I like need help with homework or something. And they're like, oh, well, like you're doing that wrong. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not how they said to like do it at school. And it's so they like they disagree with each other. And so it's hard to like know like who's right and like which way you should do it. And then like do you do it for your teachers like and do it like how they say or do you do it for your parents like when you're with them like more and you obviously want more approval from your parents than your teachers. To offer some insight on helpful methods parents can use to connect with their teenagers during times of stress, we talked with Mary Brashears, a licensed professional counselor who spends much of her time working with teenage clients and their parents. Let's say if your child is experiencing panic attacks, one thing that's going on is they're losing the ability to regulate themselves. They're very active in the limbic system of the brain. The emotional center of the brain is taking over and they almost have like no access to the prefrontal cortex or the cognitive center of the brain. Teenagers tell me all the time, like the worst thing that my parent can do when I'm having a panic attack is to tell me to calm down. If I could calm down, I would. And so um, to resist the urge, to just give those kind of simple instructions, calm down, and just understand that they they really are struggling to regulate themselves. And, and this is where you can almost, in a sense, revert back as a parent to when you had an infant and your infant was unable to regulate themselves. And so as a parent, you use co-regulation where you're relying on your own sense of calm and confidence to calm your child down. And so ways that you can do that is just to assure your child, um, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you. Um, This is going to pass. We're going to get through this. Just essentially kind of hold space for them and you just be a non-anxious presence in the room with them. And then understanding that the panic, it will pass. And so it's not a matter of making it stop. It's just kind of riding the wave of it until it passes on its own. So having covered the symptoms and the causes of stress for students, we then switched gears and asked them to share what coping mechanisms they found helpful in combating stress. Here's what they had to say. For me, like a coping skill I have is just like to stop and like to breathe. And like I tend to do something that I like if I'm really stressed, like I'll water paint or like I'll watch my favorite movie sometimes, like if things just get to be too much ever. The best way that I think I cope with stress is um, talking it out, especially first thing with either my mom or my friend or someone, even sometimes my sister who's younger than me. I think praying really helps. Because even though you might not think you're talking to anyone, it's like God hears you. And that's like comforting to me. And to think that like, even though I think nobody understands my struggle, he understands. Ridding myself of the easy distractions that um, most teenagers face nowadays, which is, you know, going home, hopping on your phone. I probably used to spend during COVID and before that, uh, probably six hours on my phone a day. And that's 
that's not even close to what I've seen some of my friends have eight, nine hours. And so allowing myself to distance myself from that and and so that I have time for myself, so that I have time for a nap, which are so underrated nowadays for high schoolers. But that's how I create margin. I, I rid myself of the easy distractions, prioritizing the things that, that really matter and getting those done. Talking about it, I feel like getting it out is really beneficial just to like say how you feel and have people relate to you so you can feel like, oh, I'm not the only one feeling like this. And then just having your friends or people that you feel comfortable with like distract you, I guess. Just take your mind off of it for a little bit. There's definitely been times where I've felt stressed and I couldn't stop feeling stressed. So I would go to my mom or someone to help me or I'd talk to my friends about it and like just try and get someone else to help me think through it. Because sometimes when I'm talking, like thinking to it by myself, it doesn't really help and I need to hear it come from someone else. Whereas many teens are finding good ways to cope, there are times when the stress feels like it's too much. And at those times, it's easy to slip into some problematic patterns. Um, I sleep and then I also find a snack that was like a comfort food when I was younger. So I go through these phases where I'll buy these snack items in bulk and that's just like my coping mechanism for a little bit. My latest one was I bought three packs of 72 fruit roll-ups from Sam's Club. Ate them all. We also reached out to Melissa Bowman, a therapist with Chris 180 who serves as their director of school-based mental health, asking her to share some advice on how parents can help equip their kids to cope with stress. Modeling is a really important um, aspect of of teaching our kids how to deal with stress. Um, There will always be stressors in life, whether that's getting, you know, stuck in traffic on your way to work and our kids see how we deal with that and how, you know, what that looks like. I think sometimes um, we may try to to shield our kids from um, kind of the the real world aspect of things because we don't want them to have to um, take on stressors that they don't need. And so definitely we want to make sure that we're setting those boundaries, but also um, talking about that, you know, stressors happen, life happens. And Um, I felt, you know, stressed when that happened. That really made me feel upset. I felt very angry when this happened at work today. And here's how I dealt with it. Validating that it's okay to be stressed. We're going to have bad days sometimes. um, And helping them be able to regulate in those moments. I think when it comes down to unhealthy coping, I think too much or too little of anything can be unhealthy. And I know that can feel really overwhelming because how do I know what the heck that is? But um, everything in moderation, I think. We also reached out to several parents from the Roswell community to provide their own advice on healthy coping methods that they have found to be successful for children and in their own lives. I think that the important thing to know if someone is feeling, is having those feelings, is to know that they are temporary. They don't last forever. There are things and things you can do to help and people who want to help you. No one wants to feel sad no one wants to have feelings of depression or anxiety but it's it's becoming more normal almost the norm um, and learning to cope with it is part of life it's one of the things it's just like if you get a broken leg and you need to get you know crutches for for a while anxiety is is like that if you are feeling anxious or feeling depressed you need to do something about it and help yourself so that you can move on I think the healthy coping skills start with eating right, sleeping enough, and exercise. 
I think some other coping skills too is to be able to separate yourself from the situation and be able to just, you know, take a pause. You don't have to force it and your opinion doesn't have to be screened. It, when you take your time to really think about the issue and you've gotten yourself back to a steady state, you're much a better able to communicate Let's see, managing stress for myself is definitely providing time throughout the day that's just downtime. Uh, It might be listening to music. It might be going for a walk, trying to unplug, putting my phone away, turning off um, and trying to just unplug. Oh, another thing that I love to do is make a list of things that I'm thankful for. I think that oftentimes we forget, you know, sometimes of of all the things that we have. And so I'll make a list of little things that I'm thankful for. So far, we've heard about the symptoms, causes, and how to cope with stress. But what is the real problem we are trying to solve for? As mentioned at the beginning of this episode, sustained stress can negatively alter one's outlook on life and even start to affect their physical health. It is the improved recognition of this mind-body connection that the topic of mental health is becoming more and more prevalent amongst students and within the education system as a whole. Left unchecked, the long-term effects can be devastating, contributing to psychiatric illnesses, substance abuse, and suicide, as well as chronic health conditions. We still have a long way to go. Voices of Georgia's children reported that as of 2021, Two in ten children in Georgia have one or more emotional, behavioral, or developmental conditions. Access to care can be difficult to come by. Parents are often left wondering how to navigate the mental health system, lacking understanding of how to get support and from whom. A 2021 report published in the AJC cited the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry's recommendation of 47 child psychiatrists for every 100,000 children. As of 2021, Georgia had eight per 100,000 children. We spoke with Amy Head, a licensed family therapist and clinical social worker based in Cobb County, to offer insights on how parents can be proactive in engaging with the mental health resources that are available. I think if a parent is looking for care for themselves or for their child or their teen, to go ahead now and start calling around and just seeing who's available, what kind of waiting lists there are, do they take insurance, just interviewing and asking questions just like you would do for any other service. It's just the same process, but some therapists, some counselors, some organizations have really long wait times, again, because the need is so high. So maybe being proactive and just seeing what's out there, just because you explore it doesn't mean you're going to use it, but just to feel ready in case you do need that resource. Fortunately, psychiatrists don't have to shoulder the burden of mental health alone. Pediatricians are critical partners, as are psychologists, licensed professional counselors, marriage and family therapists, and licensed clinical social workers. There are also a number of organizations specializing in the treatment of mental health conditions. One of those agencies is CRIS 180, which provides in-school resources to schools in Roswell and other communities. In 2020 alone, CRIS 180 served 1,145 children through their school-based programs. 
But as noted by Roswell students, there is a hunger for more resources, fueled by a shift in the social perception of mental health care among this generation. I think mental health, like it's become a much more like open thing that people are comfortable talking about, which I think is a really good thing. But I have noticed like in the last few years, like going through middle school, it became more like public and people would just talk about it more. I think like a lot of people feel like they do have to talk to a professional. And I actually, I have talked to, or I have like a therapist who helps me deal with stuff. But like, I don't feel like it's necessary for everyone. Like it's just personally up to you. And I just like to be able to share like how I feel to people. People that do go for professional help, like it's a smart choice because then they like are accepting it themselves. Like I do need help. Like this isn't like normal and all this stuff. But if you choose not to do that and you just like dwell on it, yourself and like it gets worse and worse I feel like you know you could have done something about it and like having that regret is not good feeling not a good feeling I think it's definitely overlooked by a lot of the kids everybody's got their own things going on it's just nice to be nice to everybody because you don't know what they're doing what they're going through what they have to what their life is like so it's just important to be mindful and I think that's really important. But sometimes checking up on people weekly or maybe every even couple days is pretty big because struggles like that, those emotions don't just disappear after one or two days. They're, they're ongoing. So you really have to be with them and be by their side. When I look at the topic of mental health, I see it as a room full of kids, just absolutely jam-packed with kids. And they're all feeling virtually the same thing, depression, anxiety, loneliness, and there's, there's not one willing to be the first to stand up. But the most important thing is the second guy. So the first guy stands up, he, he, he talks about everything that he's dealing with, and people kind of are like, oh yeah, I'm kind of dealing with that. But the guy to take the initiative to go walk with him um, and say, I'm feeling that too, is what will bring this generation out of this slump that we're in and then depression and anxiety that we're feeling. So my biggest concern is, there's not going to be that second guy. There's not going to, there's going to be people that are, that feel confident and that the Lord gives them a passion to impact these, their peers because of what they're feeling. And then there's not going to be anybody that supports them because we're so used to seeing that guy and being like, you know, like, why, what is he doing? Like, that's so like awkwardness and seeing that he's standing up and trying to make an impact and nobody's following him. So my biggest concern is that there's not going to be any support for the people that do stand up and try to make a difference um, because of that general idea of, you know, you do you and I'll do me. And I'm going to sit in my depression, anxiety and loneliness because I don't think anybody else can help me and nobody else is going through what I'm going through. But the second one or two or three people stand up and express that, y'all, we need we can make a change everybody else will follow that movement. The underlying basis of everything that we do, not just in the mental health profession, but also I think just as humans is connection and having a connection to someone and being able to provide, you know, additional resources when what we were doing before is is no longer working. To provide some insights on additional avenues for professional mental health resources, we spoke with Dr. Ryan Brashears a clinical health psychologist and Wellstar Health System's chief behavioral health officer. 
you can start with your pediatrician and ask who in their network uh, they would recommend. You can start, uh, if insurance is a problem, you can start uh, by calling the Georgia Crisis and Access Line and understanding what those local uh, community-based resources are in your area. For families that have insurance, the Georgia uh, mental health parity law actually obligates insurers to uh, compensate and support mental health resources just as they would health care uh, that involves primarily physical conditions. So uh, contacting your insurance uh, company directly provides a pathway to understand who the mental health, uh, behavioral health therapists are. Many of our houses of worship, the, the spiritual uh, leadership community in our uh, in our area, oftentimes they're familiar with, uh, with resources. Some even have their own behavioral health resources internally, uh, but if not, they oftentimes are very attuned to the, the resources uh, locally, uh, people that they would recommend and, and trust. For our kids that are um, in school, their school counselor or school social worker is a great first resource um, and able to provide referrals for supports in the area. There are so many resources and things out there. So if they're open to you know doing their own therapy, sometimes that's a great way to really understand yourself and, and your feelings and why you feel that way and how to deal with it. While professional or formal help is an important component when managing mental health, it should be also noted that, oftentimes, healthy and even transformative support can also be sought after from more informal or casual relationships. Find somebody to talk to because you have teachers, you have Sunday school teachers, you have coaches. Um, some of the most important people in my son's life were his coaches. As parents, we partnered with his football coaches. And if we knew something was going on, we could reach out and say, you know, this is what we're seeing. What do you think? And they could intervene in a way that we could not. Use those adults that are around you. People want to help you. They want the best for you. I would say you love your child. And if your child needs some extra help, get it. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. The only thing that matters is that your child gets better and gets the tools they need in order to succeed. You just can't let your own biases and society's biases stop you from doing the right thing for your child. I think professional help should be definitely an option when you need it. Don't be afraid to need it. It's okay. You know, if you break your arm, you go to the doctor. If you need to talk through something, go talk to somebody and it's okay. And it's even more great to be able to go to a therapist who doesn't know your parents, doesn't know anybody at school, doesn't know your coaches. They're there totally for you to just share and give you some guidance and some ways to manage whatever you're going through. There's nothing wrong 
nothing. In fact, you're totally right if you need to go get help. Go do it. This has been Episode 1 of Roswell Teen Talk, brought to you by the Wellstar Behavioral Health Service Line and sponsored by the Roswell Rotary Club. Be sure to listen to our other episodes, and please share your support for this content by subscribing and rating this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. And lastly, if you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available 24-7 if you call or text 988. Or you can live chat with a professional counselor by visiting 988lifeline.org. Stay safe and stay well. Stay well.